What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked on Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. Thank you very much for tuning in today. It is Monday, August 10th, 2020, and this is going to be an exciting show because I'm about to talk about something on this show that I wasn't sure, especially in a 60-game season, but even in a 162-game season, something I wasn't sure I was ever going to talk about, and that's coming on here on a Monday following a weekend series and talking about a Detroit Tigers sweep. And that's exactly what we got over the weekend. The Tigers went into PNC to face the Pirates, and they swept them in a three-game set, three games, three drastically different games, three very interesting games. And I'm going to spend a majority of the first segment and a majority of the show talking about those three games. I'm going to start with Game 1, a 17-13 extra innings marathon slugfest against the Pirates. The most runs the Tigers have scored since they dropped 17 on the Seattle Mariners early in the 2017 season, which feels like forever ago at this point. The game went to extra innings, and obviously because of that, that, that those 17 runs, some of them were a bit aided by the fact that they had runners starting on second base to begin extra innings. But either way, a tremendous offensive explosion top to bottom. Guys who hadn't seen the ball well this season... We're seeing the ball well over the weekend, especially in the first two games of this three-game series against the Pirates. Guys like Jamer Candelario, who I basically eulogized a couple weeks ago after struggling out of the gate, seemed to try to revive his career over the weekend against Pittsburgh. We'll see how long that lasts. But 17 runs, obviously a tremendous offensive performance. There was a downside, and that's the fact that the pitching fell apart. didn't really matter. They ended up winning the game, but I'm still going to talk about it. Matt Boyd, seven earned runs in his third start of the year. He's over three so far this year, and neither of his starts have been good or even average. They've all been pretty darn poor, and he's actually gotten worse with every single start. Look, I'm not going to bury the guy yet, but I will say with every poor start, it's becoming increasingly obvious that Matt Boyd's flash of brilliance in 2019, when he had a 2.85 ERA in his first 12 starts, was nothing more than the fluke of all flukes. This is a guy who's been very bad more than he's been very good, and the problems that are plaguing him currently as a pitcher are the same problems that have plagued him since he got to Detroit. I think fans and media are being far too lenient on Matt Boyd so far in 2020. And I've I've spoken his praises before as a person and even as a pitcher. He's not incapable of pitching good baseball. But it's been over five years now since Matt Boyd made his Major League debut. I'm sorry, over five years since Matt Boyd made his debut at Comerica Park with the Tigers. And the problems that are plaguing him now are the same problems that have plagued him since the beginning. He's been a disaster thus far. And unlike a pitcher I'm going to talk about here in a second in Spencer Turnbull, he hasn't made the necessary adjustments and it's led to him getting absolutely pounded even against weak opponents. That Pittsburgh lineup stinks and he still got rocked. The Tigers still found a way to win that game on Friday 17-13. Like I said, Joe Jimenez was awful, gave up three runs, blew the save, gave up a two-run home run with two outs in the ninth that nearly cost them the game. He's Jekyll and Hyde. And he wasn't good on Friday. I think ultimately what we're going to find out is that Joe Jimenez is a completely average major league reliever. I don't think he's elite. Sometimes you'll see him like what we saw on Sunday. I'll talk about that game here in a bit. But sometimes you'll watch him and you'll say this is a guy with 
the potential to have a, a sub two ERA and the ability to close down forty to fifty games for a, a team in a major league season, and then you'll see what he did on Friday, and you'll think, "Wow, this is a guy who shouldn't even be pitching in A ball." He's a remarkably frustrating pitcher, but none of that mattered because they got the win on Friday and they came back on Saturday, hungry for more. Four home runs in the first inning on Saturday off of Derek Holland. A, a remarkable display of power. They went up 6-0 early on. Ivan Nova was absolutely pitiful. The fact that they won the game prevented me from really ripping into him, but Ivan Nova is... He's, a, he's well, I don't, I don't even know what to think of him at this point. He, he's a pitcher who's not very good at the major league level. There are qualities to him that I can understand. I don't agree with this, but I can understand a team, especially a team that's been flailing the way the Tigers have over the last several years. I can understand them seeing solid qualities in him. To me, he's a guy who gives you innings and, and nothing more. And yes, he left the game with his team in front, ultimately got the win, but did not pitch well. But even so, I will say this. Last year, when they were up, it wasn't. It didn't matter if they were up six runs or, or eight runs. Every time I was like, you know what, they can find a way to lose this game. Even when Ivan Nova was struggling on Saturday, even when it went from 6 nothing to 6-5, I still watched the game and I was like, you know what, I think they're going to win this. Because this offense is significantly deeper than it was a season ago. And, and this is very important, and I know there's a lot of people who are excited with the way that this season has started out, and I am too, but... I gotta mention this. The Pittsburgh Pirates, I think, are the worst team in baseball. And the Tigers beat up on them. And that is a positive sign because last year, there were no teams like that for the Tigers. They were everyone's punching bag. And I realized that about 40 games in, when they got swept by the Marlins at home, I looked around and realized, oh my god, no one is worse than us. And over the next 120 games or so, they proceeded to get smacked into oblivion by every opponent they faced. While I still think this team has a lot of holes, it is very apparent that they are substantially better than the worst that this league has to offer. And I think that is, look, small steps, but still a substantial step forward nonetheless. One guy I do want to talk about real quick, I mentioned him on my post game, so I won't cover him a bunch, but Gregory Soto, every time he's taking the mound, is becoming must-see TV at this point. He is electric. That fastball is practically unhittable, and he's locating with that fastball like insanely well. I mean, the last pitch he threw to strike out, I believe it was Josh Bell on Saturday, was a 99 mile per hour heater painted on the outside black. Jimenez is going to be the closer here, and I think he probably will be all year. But the deeper this thing goes, the more demand there's going to be from fans and from the media to see Gregory Soto pitching in even higher leverage situations than what he's been pitching in so far, especially as Jimenez continues to struggle. He's been one of the best bright spots for this baseball team so far in 2020. So after two slugfests, to start the weekend series. The Tigers won a nail-biter yesterday, 2-1, to one, and the story to me was once again Spencer Turnbull. It's so strange because Turnbull was great yesterday. The final line was wonderful, one of the best games he's ever pitched as a Tiger in terms of final line. And yet, I feel like in terms of stuff and in terms of command, of his three starts, it's the weakest I've actually seen Spencer Turnbull so far this year. I felt like his outings against Cincinnati, the first one in Cincy, the second one in Comerica against Luis Castillo, 
I thought he looked better across the board, but I think he was benefited by the fact that he was going up against a weaker offense. And I think we see a pitcher who has grown up just a ton, even within the last calendar year. I think you look at the kind of high-leverage situations that he got into against the Pirates yesterday, those were situations that a year ago he would have become far too reliant on his fastball. He wouldn't have stayed within himself. He would have missed even more than he already was, and he would have gotten himself into a lot of trouble, and it would have led to three, four, five-run innings. You're seeing a guy who's much more comfortable on the mound. Whether bases are empty or whether bases are loaded, this is a guy with incredible confidence right now in his stuff, and he is undoubtedly the ace of this staff. Don't let them try to push the Matt Boyd narrative anymore. And and I know, look, only three starts in, even in a 60-game season. I know there will be people who think that I'm being slightly hyperbolic, but to me, the writing is on the wall, and the proof is in the pudding, and whatever other cliches you want me to throw out there, they all stand. You look at both these pitchers, you see Spencer Turnbull, who is a guy who has clearly made adjustments, who is clearly a substantially different pitcher than he was at this point a year ago, and you watch Matt Boyd, and like I said already, he's struggling with the same stuff he struggled with a year ago at this point, or two years ago at this point, or three years ago at this point. Turnbull has absolutely turned a corner. I think he looks fantastic. He saved the Tigers' offense yesterday, an offense that was only able to muster two runs against a well-below-average Pittsburgh Pirates bullpen. They ended up winning the game 2-1. to one. Jimenez, after getting blowed up on Friday, was awesome on Sunday. Went 1-2-3 in the bottom of the ninth, and the Tigers come away with a three-game sweep against the Pirates, moving their record to 8-5. and five. When I come back, I'm going to talk about tonight's pitching matchup in the first game of a three-game set against the Chicago White Sox. And I'm also going to talk about what the heck is happening. Because it's very clear to many people that this year's Tigers just look a whole lot different than last year's Tigers did. We will be right back. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair, everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code LOCKEDONMLB for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. And we're back. Thank you very much for tuning in. So like I said at the end of the first segment, I'm going to talk a little bit about what what it is about this year's team that looks so different. And obviously, look, they're 8-5 and five right now. They were 8-4 and four to start the season a year ago. And if this was a 162-game campaign, I, I would be much more hesitant to ease up on the throttle. But the fact is, we're over a fifth of the way into the season, and the offense looks really, really good. And a lot of people, including myself, are pretty excited. 
I am trying my darndest to figure out what it is about this Tigers team that is different. And while I don't have all the answers, I think there are several things that stand out to me. One, they had an okay offseason. I'm not going to say great offseason. Like when I think great offseasons, I think of the Dodgers trading for Mookie Betts, or I think of the White Sox making five solid free agent signings. But I think in general, they plugged several holes. Last year, this was an offense, especially by the end of the year, that had zero hitters that scared anybody. You look at the lineup now with Scope and Crone, who I've said a million times are not world beaters, but are solid major league hitters, and you have a guy like Goodrum, who's who's okay, I feel like is made better by the fact that he has some solid hitters who are backing him in the two, three, four spots in this lineup. You added Austin Romine, who, which was a signing that I wasn't crazy about, but he calls a good game. He's an all right pitch framer. And so far with the bat, he's been better than I ever expected him to be. And I think we've seen several young guys start to come into their own. I gushed about Spencer Turnbull last segment. Gregory Soto has been an awesome surprise. And then you have somebody like Jacoby Jones, who got injured yesterday, but has been one of the better hitters in the American League and all of baseball so far in 2020. Now, why they've taken these substantial steps forward, I'm not sure. There's several things you can look at. Is Joe Vavra that good a hitting coach? Was Lloyd McClendon that bad? Is it the fluke of all flukes, or have they teed off against bad pitching? I don't know. We're going to find out here real soon as they go up against better opponents, because so far, you look at the schedule, you know, they had six games against Cincinnati, and I know Cincinnati has struggled a little bit, but that is still a solid baseball team with some legitimate all-star MVP caliber talent. They played them six times, they split three to three. That's pretty impressive. I think any team in Major League Baseball will take that. And then you played seven games against two pretty bad opponents in the Kansas City Royals and the Pittsburgh Pirates. They went 5-2. and two. Now, if you are a baseball team of relative competence, you should go at least 4-3 and three against those two opponents in a seven-game set. The Tigers went 5-2. and two. That's really admirable. They played good baseball. They pitched when they needed to pitch. They hit when they needed to hit. And it puts them in good position going forward. And that leads us to this week's series against the Chicago White Sox. Tonight's pitching matchup, you have Michael Fulmer, who I believe will make way to Daniel Norris, who has now been moved to the bullpen. Going up against Dallas Keiko. Keiko acquired in the offseason by the White Sox, pitched last year for the Braves, and obviously spent a large majority of his career in Houston, where he won a Cy Young in 2015. Look, for Michael Fulmer, I think every fan out there is just asking, give us three good innings, show us that the stuff is still good, the fastball is down in velocity, but like I've said from the beginning, look, he was peaking in his first time out around 93 miles per hour. Given how good his off-speed stuff has been when he was at his best here, you can get guys out with 93. He's got to prove it, and he's going to have to adjust, and he's going to have to learn to be a pitcher here and not just a thrower, and he's going up against Dallas Keuchel, a guy who is not what he used to be. Keuchel had some tremendous seasons, and Houston made a few all-star teams, won a Cy Young, like I said, is off to a solid start so far. At points in his career, when he was at his best in Houston, he was a guy who could strike out seven, eight, nine, even ten batters per nine innings. He's not that guy anymore. He is specifically a pitch-for-contact guy, but he does bring a lot to a baseball team. He is still a talented pitcher, and I've watched the White Sox very closely. I've spoken their praises 
many times. I think that they have flawlessly executed their rebuild. I watched their game last night against the Indians going up against DeShane Bieber, who was locked in, and they put together some really good at-bats. This is going to be a tough task for Tigers pitching, and so far this season, it's been, for the most part, with the exception of Spencer Turnbull, who's been brilliant, for the most part, it's been the offense that has bailed out some mediocre starting pitching. The bullpen's been solid, obviously, with Farmer and Soto and even Jimenez at points in the back end of the bullpen, but for the most part, the offense has been what's carried them. It's going to be power versus power here, because this White Sox offense is insanely talented. I mean, they have a great mix of veterans like Edwin Encarnacion, James McCann, who went deep last night, who looks pretty good. You have Yasmani Grandal, Yomar Mazzara, formerly of Texas Rangers fame. And you have this young core of hitters with Yohan Mancada and Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert, formerly Luis Robert. I thought it was Robert. I apologize. I probably pronounced it that way before. Nick Madrigal. Like, there are guys in this lineup who are going to be making all-star teams here real soon for the next several years. They are a scary bunch of White Sox down in the south side of Chicago. A lot of guys who I do not look forward to seeing the Tigers face here over the next several seasons. Look, they've gotten off to a really good start. But going forward here, the schedule is going to get tougher. They did benefit from the fact, and the Cardinals are a mess with that COVID outbreak, but let's be honest, they benefited from the fact that they didn't have to play the Cardinals in a three-game set. They got very lucky there. It might have even been a four-game set. I apologize. I'll, I'll look that up later. But the Cardinals are a good team. They made the NLCS last year, and the Tigers didn't have to play them last week. And it led to them going up against the Pirates in a three-game set. The Pirates stink. They ended up winning three. If the Tigers believe at all that they can make a move at this thing, and right now, with every passing day and with every win, even me, my, my, my icy cold heart, is starting to melt a little bit and, and wanting to get to a point where I believe and I feel like this series against the White Sox it is going to be where a lot of people such as myself could potentially really turn a corner and start to believe in the possibility of this team being a playoff contender. This is a good White Sox team, and the Tigers hopefully will be up to the challenge. So that will do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That is at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow the show on Twitter at Tigers. I think for the time being, I'm retiring mailbag segments because there's a lot of baseball, too much baseball to talk about. And hey, you know what? That's not a bad problem to have. So I'm probably retiring those for now. I may bring them back in the offseason or or if the Tigers ever get a day off here. But while you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a five-star review of this show. It would be much, much appreciated because I am working very hard, not just with this podcast, but in many other facets of my life. So I appreciate all the support. Thank you very much for listening. I will be right back here tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day and go Tigers.